Hey, Kenley. Hi. So have you watched anything gay recently? Uh, no, but I did watch the uh, seminal classic of our time, Shrek. Okay, but Shrek is gay. Welcome to Okay, But Is It Gay, which is usually a podcast about gay movies you probably haven't heard of. This season is called Okay, But That Was Gay, where we paint a little rainbow brush over (laughs) all your favorite movies. So get our gay little hands in there. (laughs) This is actually the first episode of season three, so we should probably like explain what we're doing here. That was a beautiful description. (laughs) This season is... Movies that are not gay or queer on purpose, but are more fun if they are. And we're starting with Shrek because, was this our first year? Our fir- Maya and Autumn's first year of graduate school. Oh. Uh, we had to do a very difficult thing for work. And then afterwards, everybody gathered at my apartment to drink and watch Shrek and come up with silly little academic readings of this film. Silly. Mine was very profound. I wrote a whole paper and presentation on Shrek, okay? And then Um, you came on to this Discord call and said you didn't have thoughts. No, no, no. What is the truth? No, no, no. No, you just, I cannot, you just misrepresented everything I said. No, no, no. I said, I always have thoughts on Shrek, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest films of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of thoughts specifically on, like, gender in Shrek, Mm -hmm. not many thoughts on like queerness in Shrek so I was intrigued by what angle you guys were gonna take that's what I said okay well if you have thoughts about gender then you have thoughts about queerness I mean okay Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's not exactly the angle I felt like that wasn't the angle you guys were taking are we being heteronormative here Autumn (laughs) are we taking a heteronormative view and binary view of gender there are three people on this podcast. That means that there are going to be at least three different angles from which we view this film. Just by virtue I'm of so sorry. the human mind. I'm so sorry by the limited way I thought you guys would be approaching this. Ignore everything I said. No! I, Hal, you have heard the voices of Autumn. Say hi. <laughs> Hello. And our good friend, Kedley. Hi. Who you might remember from uh, season two's episode on AWOL. I said I'm back to cause more havoc. Good. <laughs> I asked Kenley to be on the Shrek episode because one, the AWOL episode was really good. And two, you have thoughts on Shrek. Do I? Have I communicated that in the past? Yes. In my head. Kenley's like, are, I have thoughts. In my head, you were one of the main people who were like, yes, let's have fun. By reading too much into 2001 childhood classic Shrek. You can never read too much into Shrek, actually. It is. It, it is. I gotta r- tell you, it's got layers. It's it's ripe for analysis. <laughs> I hate that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> can that be the title of this episode? <laughs> it's got layers. Yeah. Maybe. Um, something about layers. Something about layers. 
Both onions and cakes are good. <laughs> Autumn, you said that you weren't sure yes. about a specifically queer reading of Shrek. And I am here to say, say that. that this is a movie about social isolation, ostracization, and normative bodies, and how people don't fit into boxes, and that is queer as hell. Okay, I thought we were going to focus on Lord Farquaad, but okay, <laughs> I like that better. I'm sorry? Say more right now. <laughs> oh, are we not, like, totally uh, assuming that Lord Farquaad is queer in some way, because there's no other way to interpret his character? I'm sorry. I mean, we can. Okay, there, before we get into Autumn's amazing galaxy brain take <laughs> on Lord Farquaad, <laughs> as is tradition, let's start with the trigger warnings. Uh, this is an early 2000s film, so there's some microaggressions in there. I don't know if we're going to talk about them. This is a movie that is partially about pogroms and like racial cleansing. It's kind of undeniably like in the text. We're going to talk about that. Uh, our reading necessitates that we talk about queer phobia, uh, body dysmorphia, fat phobia, and other things relating to like people being non-normative in some way. If any of that is a problem, beware. I think that's everything. I think that covered most things. Okay. So where do we start with Shrek? We we can start we can start about this movie takes like the Disney princess style movie formula and is like that could be better i think something that's really it did some amazing shit for its time it did Mm -hmm. it did and i think like it's so the story it's just so tight it's like a tight Mm -hmm. hour and a half so much happens exactly 90 minutes it's perfection (laughs) like they perfected the like disney princess movie basically Mm -hmm. they took the formula and made it just so well packaged and compact Mm -hmm. and Uh, very knowingly right like it even begins with the storybook intro like the very classic like cinderella and snow white and sleeping beauty stuff starts with the storybook in like the illuminated manuscript style um and we've got Shrek narrating, which I think is even, like, a subtle, like, upending of, like, usually that voice is a very classic, like, RP British accent, and... The, the posh British. Yeah. David Attenborough. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we've got this very hard, like, Scottish accent. Um, and even that is, like, a departure from the formula, even before we get to... Shrek is reading this book in the outhouse. And using it as toilet paper. Because yes. mm-hmm. he doesn't believe in happily ever after because such a thing has never been presented as an option for something, someone like him, which is a gay experience. We're going to talk about queer utopias. Yes. <laughs> in terms of like the history of this film, I mean, a lot of people... like This film is made as a direct fuck you to Disney. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the more films like, should be made. Writers and production <laughs> staff were former Disney employees who then moved over to DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. All my homies hate Mike Eisner. Yeah, <laughs> and I agree, Autumn. <laughs> more more movies should do this. Just direct allegory. Then more movies should be fueled by spite at Disney. Mm-hmm. 
They deserve More it. art should be fueled by spite. Yeah. It makes your art good. Yes. <laughs> then we get this sequence that is genuinely just beat for beat parodying like any sequence where we're introduced to like the sequence where we're introduced to Cinderella where she like wakes up and the birds help her get ready. She like showers and stuff. This is just this sequence, but Shrek is doing it. He gets ready for the day. He engages in his hobbies. Yeah, I forgot about the like painting scene. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that got me this time. <laughs> <laughs> Just painting soft portraits to hang up that are like keep out. <laughs> I don't know. It's great. I think it's gonna feel a little weird to recount beat for beat the plot of Shrek the way that we usually do on this pod, just because like you're telling me that you don't know the plot of Shrek. <laughs> Yeah. Do we have to recount it? Not necessarily. We can do highlights if we want to. I feel like that would be better for this movie. Okay. But feel free to disagree because. No, I I agree. It's fine. I think Shrek is one of those that people know well enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what's the next major highlight then? The next major thing I think is. Shrek realizes that there's a bounty on magical creatures and then goes to where these creatures are sort of, and then we go to where these creatures are being rounded up and like carted off. And this scene is grim. (laughs) Yeah. Geppetto and Peter Pan are handing off Pinocchio and Tinkerbell for a few bucks. (laughs) Yeah, they really gloss over it uh, because of Eddie Murphy, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. Like, if you think for even, like, two seconds about a lot of the things that happen in this movie, it sucks. Like, the thing that's happening to these people is awful. Uh, But this is where we meet Donkey. Donkey's human is having a hard time selling him off uh, because he, for once in his life, is refusing to talk. He's smart. Mm -hmm. This is a good tactic until he gets dusted with uh, fairy dust and ends up flying through the air and can't help but talk. References Dumbo in this scene. Uh, you may have seen a horse fly, uh, an elephant fly, but you never seen a donkey fly. That went right over my head. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> like this movie is just a bunch of stitched together like references, pastiches, and homages, but it does it in this really seamless and like knowing way, so that. It's like, here is a reference, but it's not like, here is a reference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? 100%. I wonder if that was improv. Maybe. We have to track down Eddie Murphy and and interview (laughs) him about his performance in Shrek. Tell us everything. (laughs) This is kind of the, the catalyst for the movie existing. There's a lot to unpack here, actually, in terms of, like, the movie's themes um mm-hmm. and so we have our lord farquaad obviously in his like position of power uh re- rejecting like capital t capital o the other uh mm-hmm. in order to like create his version of a utopia which we see later is like extremely like sterilized and boring yeah (laughs) and then so i was thinking about all of that which is like a big statement i suppose and there's a lot of elements to that um and i discovered 
in, in my thinking and researching that, like, queer scholar Jack Halberstam has, like, a whole book that references uh, animated children's movies of the 2000s, um, which, first of all, is incredible. Everyone should read it. Um, <laughs> it's called The Queer Art of Failure, uh, and talks about how, like, animated children's films and just animation in general as a medium are often, like, a vehicle of, like, radical thinking, um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a very good book, uh, and I want to read the rest of it. I, I read, like, the intro and two essays from it for this, but, um, yeah, so, um, because we've got, and I think that this is really well, like, documented in the milieu of, like, the early 2000s. You've got all of these narratives that are uh, focusing on the other as someone who can also be a hero rather than, like, just the normative sort of, um, not even, like, the average person, but the person who society, like, prizes as the ideal, right? And, like, in... Mm -hmm a like traditional like disney style fairy tale that normative would be the hero would be the protagonist and instead this is a movie about shrek and donkey and uh, and fiona and none of them fit into the boxes that society would put them in like even shrek like in the scene before this where he's like messing with the bounty hunters who come after him he plays into their stereo the stereotypes that they hold about ogres and doesn't actually like hurt them he just scares them off like right. he just yells and throughout this whole movie like he doesn't it's really obvious that he doesn't actually want to hurt anyone and the only times that he actually engages in like combat are like during the tourney when people are trying to kill him sucks when that happens mm-hmm Listen, if someone tries to kill you, you try to kill them back. Well, he doesn't even try to kill them back. He just, like, does WWE moves on them. Yeah, also that. <laughs> uh, which, again, big Wait, cultural Tolkien does reference. kick someone in the face, though, right? Pro yeah. Probably. I feel like that person is severely injured now. I'm just saying. They should have really thought about that before they tried to kill them. No, like, you're right. But also, <laughs> and also that's Donkey. That's not even Shrek. It's just Donkey like, I don't, has his, I don't yeah, think Donkey has, has like a concept of murder. Uh, so then we get the scene where <laughs> Donkey like flees the uh, pogrom tables. I don't know, the, like the cages and everything, and runs into Shrek. Immediately tries to make friends, and they become BFFs forever. <laughs> Shrek's super uncomfortable with people being nice to him and treating him like a person because it's an unfamiliar sensation. Damn. You just kind of want to give him a hug. Mm-hmm. The musical adaptation, there's a whole song about Shrek's tragic backstory wherein it is established oh, no. that ogres, like, can't congregate in large groups. And so there's this practice of letting your children go at a very young age so that they, like your whole group doesn't get attacked because you have one too many ogres living with you. Oh no. Yeah. He's been on his own since he was seven. So dark. This, this is a, a dark franchise. It's true. Uh, all like framed by the reading I was doing. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we have, I think we have to talk about, like, the role of the state in, yeah. like, policing queer bodies, uh, mm-hmm. which that feels really poignant right now <laughs> mm. uh, on this May 9th. <laughs> so in the book, Halberstam talks about uh, like Foucault's idea of disciplinarity and disciplinarity as like a technique of modern power um, mm-hmm. and says that uh Quote, it depends upon and deploys normalization, routines, convention, tradition, and regularity. End quote. Mm-hmm. Um, that is essentially what Farquaad, as the representative of the state, is pushing for. He's pushing for, like, order and structure and this kind of artificialness that stands in contrast to, like, a more organic state of being, which I guess is what we're seeing uh, with Shrek uh, and his swamp. In, in, like, a literal sense, we have this, like, physical stone structure that's imposing versus, like, Shrek's kind of homey domesticity. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, like, enforcing, like, hegemonic ideals onto a society that is, like, naturally has magic and magical creatures in it. Right. And so, um, and even, like, people who we would imagine would, like, voluntarily enter into, like, the magical realm, like, witches and stuff are featured. And so, like, Mm -hmm. we can imagine that there are people who choose that life. And then there are people who are, like, you know, the three pigs or, like, Shrek um, who are born into it. And so we've got this, like, society that naturally exists as this, um, sort of jumble of non-magical and magical, and then, and, like, people who are non-magical benefit from the magical, etc., etc. Um, but we've got Farquaad, who is imposing this hegemonic ideal onto his realm via this, like, cleansing process for no other reason than, like, he just thinks magical creatures are gross. Like, he doesn't like to look at them. And instead of, like, minding his business about it, he's like, I'm going to get rid of them and put them in this area that he is also discounting. Like, swamps get a bad rap because they smell. But if you got rid of swamps, like, entire ecologies would collapse. Yeah, they're pretty important. Uh... Mm-hmm. There's a whole Magic School Bus episode about it. That was a good show. Um, Sorry, I had a moment. Also talking about queerness. We could get into that show, but we don't have to. Uh, (laughs) In this scene, also with, like, Donkey and Shrek meeting for the first time, um, Shrek is like, I'm an ogre, you shouldn't want to be my friend. And in my notes, I've written, I'm queer, you shouldn't want to be my friend. Like, this message that has gotten pounded into Shrek's mind for his entire life of... I am an evil, brutish creature and no one should want to be around me and people who say they want to be around me are trying to get something out of me, are tricking tricking me in some way and I shouldn't trust them. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I just keep thinking about Lord Farquaad now, so I'm trying to like tone that down. <laughs> we're going to meet him in a second. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to say is that Donkey has quite a few moments 
throughout the film where he like kind of microaggresses Shrek a little bit. Like the first one here is like he sees Shrek's house and immediately like applies hegemonic values to it. Like this is not a house that the normative would say was good. But then he learns that it is his new friend's house and he immediately corrects himself. He's like, no, 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 actually it's got like a nice homey old world charm actually. Um, and I think that that is a fun, like, nuanced thing that happens. I don't know. He's doing his best. He is! <laughs> See, this movie, this movie is so good, because we could also talk about, like, we could talk about hegemonic structures and, like, the other, and u- utopias and things like that, but we could also talk about, like, capitalism. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the way that, like, capitalism frames what is normative uh and Mm -hmm. like this book that i'm uh, now obsessed with uh talks about (laughs) is like how capitalism like frames or defines what is success and what is failure Mm -hmm. donkey has bought into that's such a weird sentence to say donkey has bought into (laughs) uh like the hegemonic structures definitions of like success um Mm -hmm. and and order uh versus what is clearly from the scene from the first scenes of the movie a like very fulfilling space for shrek Mm -hmm. like he does not perceive any lack in his day-to-day life he's just kind of vibing he's Mm -hmm. got his little table and his two chairs and his fire and he's his painting, I guess. Uh, he's having a grand old time. Yeah, he's yeah. he's living the dream. He's got free time and a house that he like owns. He owns that house. He doesn't have to pay rent. <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> um, but <laughs> he's great. But uh, the hegemony would say, like again, the hegemony would say that isn't good enough, you know, Mm -hmm. or that is good in the wrong ways. So basically all I did was write down like really long quotes from this book, but, uh, go for it. In the introduction, Holberstrom talks about, uh, the idea of, um, seeing like a state and it's a concept that, uh, this guy, James C. Scott came up with in his book, seeing like a state. Um, and Halberstrom says, quote, For Scott to see like a state means to accept the order of things and to internalize them. It means that we begin to deploy and think with the logic of the superiority of orderliness, and that we erase and indeed sacrifice other more local practices of knowledge, practices, moreover, that may be less efficient, may yield less marketable results, but may also, mm-hmm. in the long term, be more sustaining. And I think that's what we're seeing play out here is that Shrek has this like sustaining fulfilling life and it's not like making anybody money or uh gaining anyone power uh which is what like Farquaad and and his whole that's his whole deal is he wants more power uh he wants to be king um and so uh, and he wa- he wants to. He is king. No, he's he? he's, he's a lord. lord. 
He has to be. That's he has why to he needs to Bjorn. marry a princess. Right, to he needs to marry someone with a title that is higher than him. If this was Crusader Kings, <laughs> then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he already was, and he just thought he needed to marry a princess uh, for appearances. No. no. He's a lord. He is trying to climb the ladder. Because mm-hmm. Fiona's dad okay. is the king. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I th- guess I thought that was a different kingdom. Apparently not. Well, okay. <laughs> lord lordships are inside of kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Like he's a small player in the larger area, and so wants to okay. ascend the throne. And we will learn in the sequel, ascend the throne of far, far away. Okay, you can continue. <laughs> no, you're good. Stop apologizing for doing the podcast. <laughs> it's just my natural instinct. Donkey <laughs> um, says. Uh, also in the scene, you don't know what it's like to be considered a freak, which I think implies that he doesn't see Shrek in that way. Aww. And, like... That's cute. <laughs> like, both of them are dealing with these, like, very heavily internalized prejudices. Like, Donkey's like, I'm a freak because donkeys aren't supposed to talk. And Shrek is like, I'm a freak because I am an ogre. And so they don't see other people as having that, like, non-hegemonic, non-normative way of being because their whole thing, like, revolves around the way that they are because that's how they've been dramatized. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, the next thing that happens is uh, that all of the magical creatures arrive in the sh- in the swamp. The swamp? <laughs> that all of the magical creatures... <laughs> That all of the magical creatures arrive in the swamp, having been expelled there by Farquaad's orders. And Shrek is like, absolutely not. You will not remain here on my land. I will put you back where you came from. And is hailed as a hero for this. Which, again, is him being, like, a non-normative protagonist, right? Like, the Disney version of this this character does this out of the goodness of his heart, not to get his house back, <laughs> <laughs> and and this is uh, a a key part of like Halberstam's reading of this movie and a lot of the movies like it because we have I mean you have the classic like antihero right so he mentions like movies like ants and um, just a lot of movies a-, a bug's life like movies coming out at this time where the hero is not your typical expectation. Um, mm-hmm. And also points out the theme of a lot of these films having uh, non-human, not even just like protagonists or characters, but just focusing a lot on the non-human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he talks about how having this kind of anti-hero uh, who is extremely opposed to whatever is happening, that more often, this is a quote again, uh, quote, more often than not, the individual character actually serves as a gateway to intricate stories of collective action, anti-capitalist critique, group bonding, and alternative imaginings of community, space, embodiment, and responsibility. Often the animal or creature that stands apart from the community is not a heroic individual, but a symbol of selfishness who must be taught how to think collectively. And, like, obviously, that's what we're seeing with Shrek, because I think the, the pivot is subtle uh, throughout the film. And I don't know if you can actually point out uh, a point at which his goals uh, differ 
at least in terms of the, the fairy tale creatures as a whole. Certainly his personal goals do shift, but it, at least initially, this is an extremely like self-serving enterprise, and he does not want to be considered heroic for it. He does not care. Mm-hmm. And maybe, again, that's where we see uh, a moment of this kind of hegemonic structure where, like, oh yeah, everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to be this like knight in shining armor like that's the expectation mm-hmm. society like that those are the things that everyone should desire right and Shrek does not want any part of it which again labels him another even amongst uh like the other fairy tale creatures perhaps mm-hmm. and then we get to lord farquaad <laughs> torturing gingerbread the gingerbread man autumn do you want to talk about <laughs> About him torturing the gingerbread man, I mean, or him in general? Him in general. Because what do you what? I really want to talk about the scene where he picks Fiona mostly. Okay. Um, is that like really far away? Oh no, no it's, it's that, literally like, the next thing that happens yeah. in the order like, of we, like. Okay, great. We get this scene of uh, Farquaad again. This movie's really grim. He has removed this man's legs. <laughs> And is like waving them around. We get the the muffin man bit, which is like referenced in in the sequel in a really fun way. Uh, and then the magic mirror gets brought in. Which, by the way, right. Farquaad, you like hating and uh, per- <gasps> being a yeah, hypocrite because he's the magic persecuting mm-hmm. all these magic creatures, and then he's like, "But I will use this for my own gain." Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Like the magic mirror is pretty it's an acceptable thing for him to exploit this piece of magic of magic even though he's expelled the rest of it from his kingdom and was just torturing a magical creature on account of he's a magical creature but it's also going to be a a magical object or person i i don't know how we're classifying the magic mirror to be honest entity i think he's got a personality he's scared I think if you can be scared, then you're a person. Yeah. So he has found a something that's that looks pretty, Mm -hmm. and b a magical entity that is going to tell him what he wants to hear. It's not going to oppose Mm -hmm. or challenge his views on magical creatures in any way, really. Mm -hmm. Which means it is a safe magical creature. There's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> like magic is fine as long as I can exploit it, me. And as long as I'm not frightened or threatened by it, yes. Right. And as long as it will do what I say when I say it. Yeah. Like if it has a mind of its own. Mm. So yeah, the magic mirror presents him with three eligible princesses: Cinderella, Snow White, and Fiona. He selects Fiona and then go like decides to choose a champion to go after her for him right like fiona is trapped in this tower it's guarded by a big scary dragon anyone who would want to rescue her from this tower would presumably have to scale the mountain and slay the dragon and farquad doesn't even hesitate before he's like someone else is gonna do that for me there is no way that i am going to do any of the dirty work here red flag <laughs> the man is a walking red flag. i mean he's literally wearing red uh, there's a lot of red flags to go around <laughs> 
so what did you want to talk about with this scene in particular? Um, yeah, um, okay. So there are two main reasons why I said uh, Lord Farquaad, why I read Lord Farquaad as gay. And one is his, like, physical uh, persona. Specifically, he has the kind of stereotypical, like, sassy gay villain voice mm-hmm. a little bit. And he's also very obsessed with how he looks in a way that a lot of older, like, Disney movies and similar uh, typically queer-coded their villains. But also then in this scene in particular where he's picking out his future bride, which he had literally never thought about as something that he like really needed until he was told that he needed that, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, uh, the, the magic mirror is showing these different beautiful women, right, and talking about like their great uh, attributes and he just kind of picks one based on what everyone else in the room like they all sway his opinion he doesn't really seem to have much of an opinion himself mm-hmm. like he just wants a bride right it doesn't really matter who it is and I think that's pretty gay of him <laughs> <laughs> and like this is this is again this movie is aping the Disney formula of of like a lot of classic Disney villains are incredibly queer coded on account of mm-hmm. like homophobia and also they were all animated by that one gay dude which like shout out to that to, to that guy <laughs> so obviously this movie that is aping Disney's shit has to have a queer coded villain and yeah he's not treating his future bride like someone who he will spend time with or be attracted to she's just a means to an end which is both like misogyny and also possibly like he doesn't think of women as objects of attraction we can also talk about depictions of like masculinity in this movie because i mean one of the big jokes of this movie is like shrek and donkey walk up to do lock or whatever and are like think he's compensating for something and which implies not his height by the way this is a joke that comes up at least twice Mm -hmm. and so there's like the hyper-masculinity that is implied and also which Farquaad tries to embody and potentially fails at, by the way. He's trying too hard. Then there's also the, like, if we're reading him as a queer character, then we also need to talk about, like, this, the, like, stereotypical depiction of gay men as hyper-effeminate and emasculated and things like that, which are problematic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of trying to do both, I feel, in a really, like, complicated way. I don't know if y'all saw that as well. No, that makes sense. What do you mean trying to do both? Like, Like it's depicting Farquaad as... uh, Because it's doing the, the Disney homophobia thing. Yeah. But also we have this, like weird protagonist in Shrek. Right. So he's he's trying to do the hyper-masculine thing and failing at it, while also everyone's kind of making fun of him for, like, failing at hyper-masculinity. Does this play into the idea of him as, like, a hypocrite vis-a-vis the magical stuff because he himself is not living up to the masculine ideal that he would impose on others? Like, the ideal actually can't be reached even by those who would enforce it. And with those with money and power. 
Like, mm-hmm. the ideal is a literal fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the next scene, uh, is symbolism. <laughs> Our favorite thing. Besides foreshadowing. Besides foreshadowing. Yeah. It's foreshadowing and symbolism. <laughs> number one on this pod. Um, but Shrek and Donkey get up to Duloc. Uh, we get the short joke slash small dick joke. And then... They walk up to the entrance, which is, like, cordoned off in, like, this, Duloc is set up to, like, ape Disney World, um, and so it's set up with, like, a queue of, like, a pattern of, uh, ropes outside, right? And you've got this big mascot head dressed like, uh, Lord Farquaad, and he immediately, like, starts, like, running because he sees an ogre, and he starts running, but he does it in this zigzag pattern of the ropes outside and so i think that these ropes and like the turnstile that they lead to are symbolic of the hegemonic ideal and like the the restraints of society because this mascot guy is completely restrained by the restraints of society it does not occur to him to jump these ropes or to go around them he must do it in the pattern because that is the that is what society has like laid out for him but shrek just sort of plows through them he doesn't even think about it he's just like walking forward in a straight line and dragging these ropes like with him and uh in that way he's like eschewing the laws of society the way that he always has because they do not benefit him um and then donkey gets to the turnstile and like is caught up in the turnstile and like ends up like face planting because he is actively harmed by those same laws of society this has been Hal's overthinking corner. <laughs> I mean, I think you're exactly right, though. And then <laughs> when they go to the information booth, it's kind of also reinforcing these things. Like, there are rules that you must follow when you're here, rather than giving directions or anything else useful. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a very sharp parody of It's a Small World. Yeah. <laughs> also, do we need to talk about whiteness in this movie? Because I feel like we do. We can. Because, <laughs> like, all of the little dolls are, like, first of all, creepy. Second of all, <laughs> extremely, like, they are, like, blonde-haired Dutch children for some reason. Mm-hmm. Which, interesting. And then, like, all I'm pretty sure, like, all of the human characters are white. Is that accurate yeah 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 so that's a thing uh we can also talk about whiteness as a center of power and oppression Mm -hmm. yeah of the hegemony yeah it is it is the hegemonic structure essentially and like it's the big white tower too right like it literally in this Mm -hmm. film like in the distance d-lock is this white stone tower and 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 again i think that theme comes up later when we think about like the knight in shining armor right that always shows up on this like white horse and so i don't Mm -hmm. the the symbolism of whiteness as heroic right so i think there is first of all critique to the animators potentially I, i don't know it depends what they were doing on purpose or or if it was just like we are going to animate people. Here is a default people and mm-hmm. centered whiteness, which is gross. Uh, or whether that was like a direct like critique of whiteness that they were attempting to make by putting all of these like human figures in this 
tower and said like centering like heroism in in like whiteness i don't know no i think that that makes sense like either reading like is valid in a way because like you know, it's 2001. I wouldn't be surprised if not every single animator on this team had worked through their implicit bias yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then you have this, like, the symbolic nature of Duloc as a source of, hegemi- of, of hegemony and oppression, where, like, the it's literally going through a period of, like, racial cleansing right now. Um, like, I would be surprised if, like, all of the, like, the only acceptable mode of humanness for Farquaad is people who look more or less like him. Yeah. Um, so then we get to the tournament. The city is deserted because everyone is at the tourney to determine, uh, who will go in Farquaad's stead to rescue the princess. We get the amazing line of, uh, many of you may die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. Amazing. That's not familiar at all. I want that on a (laughs) t-shirt. That doesn't describe my perception of the last, like, three years. It's it's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Shrek interrupts Farquaad, like, six the knights on him. He's like, whoever can kill the ogre will be named champion. Everyone converges on Shrek and gets their ass kicked to, uh, I don't give a damn about my reputation. Which is, the, the song choices in this movie, beautiful, perfect, amazing. Yeah. Unbeatable. Life-changing. Actually. <laughs> no movie has no critiques to the song choices in this film. No. Yet. <laughs> I was gonna say, what about Shrek I mean, 2? That's fair. Thor Ragnarok comes close, I would say. Mm-hmm. Personally. Extremely good soundtrack. And... During this sequence, I think that we get, like, Shrek and Donkey bonding as friends for the first time. Nothing brings people together more than exactly. uh, kicking ass. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say the threat of violence, but... Mm. <laughs> threat of violence. Well, I mean, I meant, like, threat of threat. violence being enacted upon you. Mm-hmm. And people like you. Yeah. Like, finding solidarity in hiding from the police. God, okay, I'm sorry. So, such a I'm sorry. Is that not? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that not what we do here? Are you telling me? <laughs> I'm allowed to make fun of um, because because the two of them are working together to do this thing, and I think this is this is Shrek realizing for the first time that community is a thing that he can want and have, even if it's just him and his buddy. Because that's the big lesson that Shrek learns, is people who are like me don't want to hurt me. Community okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shrek wins, obviously. Farquaad, even though Shrek has won the tournament, Farquaad still has everyone point crossbows at him. Because he's a magical creature and he's big and ugly. Uh, Declares Shrek champion because he (laughs) thinks that at least the first few people he sends will die. And so this is a tool to get rid of this ogre. Shrek makes demands about, uh, like, uncreaturing his his swamp. And uh, we're off. Sunflower foreshadowing is the next thing that I have written. Oh, forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the sunflower is important. And by the way, at this point, we're, like, halfway through the movie. Yes. Like, in terms of runtime. Much more happens, mm-hmm. but a lot of setup. Mm-hmm. 
We gotta get to know the world. There's a lot uh, of stuff. Donkey annoys Shrek some more. Um, and then we get the ogres are like onions thing. Because Donkey doesn't understand why Shrek like so heavily rejects being friends with other people. Or why other people would like not want to be friends with Shrek just because he is an ogre. And Shrek tries to explain to him that ogres have rich inner lives and like culture and history all their own. And people don't understand that and only see them as monsters. And the way that he tries to do that is he picks an onion out of out of an onion patch and is like, ogres are like onions. Because he's never had to actually explain this to anyone before. <laughs> Honestly, me talking to people. And we get Donkey That's going, cakes also have layers. You could be a cake. Both cakes and onions are good to mm-hmm. eat. Not together. Maybe not together, like, though. Sometimes it's a cake day, and sometimes it's an onion day. <laughs> if the tourney is where <laughs> Shrek and Donkey begin to bond as friends, I think that walking across the bridge, like, to get across the moat of lava to the castle, is where they start to trust each other. Because mm-hmm. we have Donkey, who's very afraid of heights, and Shrek, who's like, I don't care about heights, or this stupid bridge. And Shrek very easily could have just left Donkey on the other side of this bridge, but he wants his help and wants to spend more time with him. And so gets the two of them across the bridge by like essentially doing like a tough parenting tactic. (laughs) He's like distracting Donkey long enough to like get the task done. And then it's like, there, it wasn't so bad after all, huh? Yeah, that's a good moment. Wish we had more mm-hmm. like moments like that, honestly. Like if we'd zoomed in during some of the traveling montages. Yeah, the traveling... Mm-hmm. But then we wouldn't have gotten the some Maybe. of those songs, probably. But we get a song during the Shrek and Fiona falling in love montage later, and we do get lots of moments with the two of them. Prioritizing their romance over his friendship with Donkey. Yeah, Donkey is a nervous talker. Shrek puts on some armor, just in case. Sends Donkey to find the stairs, because he read about it in a book once. That she will be in the tallest tower in the tallest castle. Uh, Donkey does indeed find Dragon. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Donkey doesn't have a, a name either. They're just Donkey and Dragon. It, yeah, it does suck. I guess. But, like, but the but the dragon yeah. doesn't speak yeah. either. So the fact that she doesn't mm-hmm. speak and doesn't really have a name is And lipstick. Gross. Yeah, and eyelashes. Yeah. Where'd she get a giant tube of lipstick? Well, Can we I talk mean, about that? Also where did that come from? On how to cook knights in different ways. So I feel like, A, that implies that she could read... Has the dexterity B has the dexterity to cook and like flay people and and C uh that I forget what C was sorry I got distracted by the fact that the dragon has like pro knife skills. <laughs> Why does she need knife you read skills? The She's got giant claws. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you want to Amazing. serve with knights and things. So, maybe she's making her own cosmetic line out of, like, bones and blood and stuff. Mm. Just saying. But, like, if, <laughs> if, 
that went a place. Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> no, we get that scene later of her, like, trying to seduce Donkey. And I think it would have been, like, nice if we got, like, a dragon-sized vanity in her lair. And she, like, picks up her dragon-sized lipstick and puts some on. And it's just, like, a torso. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's <laughs> gross. I'm sorry. This is in this children's movie, Kedley. This movie's this dark. Children's movie. I, I think it's implied that she just naturally has like lips like that. Well, as we all know, all female presenting yeah. people uh, look like that all the time and do not in any way like apply or remove makeup. Yeah. Oh yes, that, that is the natural mm. female look. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Donkey defaults to complimenting way. people. Like, he pays Shrek and his house a bunch of compliments when he first meets him. And then when Dragon confronts him, he, like, starts babbling about how beautiful she is and how, like, nice the castle is. I mean, what else are you gonna do when you're mm-hmm. about to be Fair. a queen? Then we get Fiona trying to set up the perfect meet-cute with her new knight. Because... Fiona's depiction in this movie is that of someone who is trying very desperately to fit into the box that society would put her in because she thinks the box is good and safe mm-hmm. because that is what she has been taught, but she cannot get herself to do that. Like, both through her circumstances and just, like, the way she is as a person, the box doesn't fit people inside of it. And so she's, like, trying to, to put herself in the box and she can't. And this is like, the first scene we get of her where she's, like, moving around and talking, and she's like, okay, the box says I lie on the bed and with my little bouquet of flowers. Where'd she get those flowers? I don't know. She just, like, reached out and pulled them out of frame. Maybe she has a little <laughs> rooftop garden. What if they were fake? And she oh. was just, like, keeping them for this eventuality. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually really good. Um, but she, like, lies down on the bed with her flowers on her chest um, and, like, pretends to sleep, expecting Shrek to, like, true love's first kiss her, um, but Shrek values consent, and so instead shakes her awake. <laughs> yeah, he's not used to being her. around people. If someone needed to shake him awake, they would need to do that. Um, well, Then yeah. we get Donkey and Dragon. <laughs> uh, Dragon doesn't 100% value consent yet. Hey. Donkey's just a little guy. <laughs> he can't do anything. Poor, poor thing. I truly hate how they turned, like, Dragon's introduction, she's this cool, intimidating figure, and then she just immediately becomes <laughs> a giant simp and, like, loses all of her, uh... Menace? What's Agency? The, what's the word I want here? Yeah. Also, and they, like, literally yeah, put a just, collar on the dragon. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of, like, female yeah. agency in this film, or at least, well, okay. Hang on. That's inaccurate. Like, Fiona exercises agency, but only when it is to upend the genre. Right. Oh, I was gonna say only when it supports, uh, mm-hmm. or mere Shrek, but... Same idea. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like how the women are portrayed mm-hmm. in this movie at all. Like, men are portrayed really interestingly, but, and they think they're doing something. 
with the female characters, mm-hmm. which is why it's And, so like, maybe they were doing something in 2001. I mean, I think Fiona's character is pretty sort of looking for... I yeah. mean, part of it is to subvert the genre of, like, we're gonna make her actually... But, like, does she become her own person, or does she become I think that she comes, becomes more life? of herself. Like, comes to accept the part of herself that society has taught her to uh reject and like we get again later the like falling in love montage she is like naturally more like shrek than the ideal princess yes like we get the burp contest and she willingly participates in that she also like kills she is a little gross uh yeah there is some (laughs) debate as to whether or not uh when when i watch this movie to take notes uh I watched it with some people, and there was some debate as to whether or not Fiona killed that bird on purpose, and I think that it was an accident. Oh, I think it, it was an accident, <laughs> but it's, like, princesses and, like, traditional femininity is not supposed to be violent in any way, on accident or mm-hmm. on purpose, and, mm-hmm. like, it, we're expecting the Cinderella scene of her singing with the bird, and then the bird just explodes. Uh, yeah. Like, she's trying to do the ideal princess thing, mm-hmm. and she physically cannot do it. Trying and failing at traditional femininity. That's queer culture. Yeah. <laughs> Help. <laughs> okay, but last thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna lament about Fiona. Um, because it's also interesting that when she's in her regular like human form uh you know traditional uh feminine beauty form whatever she acts a lot more a lot of the time assertive to me or like mm-hmm. physically violent than she does when she's an ogress almost as if they think because now she looks less traditionally feminine or whatever she needs to compensate mm-hmm. for that with her personality this is another thing that we might read as both like a fault of this movie that came out in 2001 and also a character choice on fiona's part like she's compensating for the fact that people will view Mm. her as this violent brutish ogre and so is making herself meek but in her like human like form uh she is able to like she like fully yells at shrek she's like absolutely not yeah, and she, like, beats up mm-hmm. uh, Robin Hood and or whatever. So, like, we could read that as, like, more of her, like, true personality that she lets come out because it's compensated for by her being a hegemonic beauty. Pretty people get away with things. There's also, I guess, this movie is more complex than maybe we give it credit for. Well, we obviously give it's it credit. It's got layers. But, uh, <laughs> um, but there's also... <laughs> Specifically the scene where, like, Robin Hood shows up. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. I will rescue you from this horrible monster, you helpless damsel, right? And he's very, like, he's, like, kissing her hands and stuff. I mean, he's, he is obnoxious, yeah. Obnoxious. Uh, but he's, like, <laughs> trying to do the romance thing, and she's like, bro, fuck off. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> uh, which is really funny, actually. Um... <laughs> And then she kicks all of their asses. Mm -hmm. Also really funny. Before we get to the Merry Men, um, we get 
Fiona, like, they escape because Shrek has used non-conventional means oh, right. to defeat the dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, what do yeah. you mean you didn't kill the dragon? What kind of, mm-hmm. like, rescue is this? And he's like, look, mm-hmm. everybody that tried to kill the dragon is dead. <laughs> uh, we're getting out of here. Yeah, again, resisting hegemonic structure and, like, mm-hmm. doing your own thing. Uh, and then Fiona is 100% just ready to fall in love with Shrek because he's the person who rescued her, calls Donkey a noble, a noble steed. Um, and she's like, take off your helmet, Sir Shrek. And Shrek doesn't want to come out. No, I didn't read it that way, but how did she not notice that his hands were, like, green? I don't know, maybe... (laughs) Yeah, child me was always really bothered. Like, you can still see his uh, face, honestly. It doesn't doesn't cover anything. (laughs) No, no, no. They're out now in the sunlight. Shrek says, I'm not your type, which is a thing that gay and trans people say to people that they perceive as straight. Um... He finally does, like, get goaded into removing his helmet, and she's like, you're not supposed to be an ogre. Like, ogre does not fit in the box. You're supposed to fit in the box. I'm trying really hard to fit in the box, and everyone else is not playing by the rules. We get another really good line from Shrek. I'm not a messenger boy. I'm a delivery boy. Just fully picks this woman up. Uh, We get Fiona panicking over, like, being having to stay out overnight. Um, and then as they are, like, staying overnight with Fiona, like, secluded away from them, Shrek teaches Donkey about, like, ogre legends about the constellations. Again, ogres have layers. They have rich inner lives and history and culture, including stories about the constellations. And also there's that moment where he definitely, like, makes up one for Donkey Mm -hmm. to kind of include him in that, like culture which mm-hmm. is really sweet because donkey has no concept of like making pictures out of the stars he's like this is just a bunch of dots and shrek has to be like sometimes things are more than they appear which is all but him turning to the camera and saying the thesis of the film out loud yeah and then donkey thinks <laughs> that the moon is the constellation that shrek has told him about that's the moon they really want donkey to be like dumb and oblivious he's doing kind of a bummer listen no one has ever sat him down and told him about the stars before i bet he's been in a stable his whole life that's true he hasn't had the the leisure time that it takes to sit outside at night and talk about the stars because he's been oppressed that is true Uh, also we need him to seem dumb so that shrek will seem very smart also that paris yeah i guess fiona overhears this whole conversation we get a brief glimpse of her in like grayscale it's not like quite it's quite not quite foreshadowing her being an ogre but we do see that she's like a little bit different and like that's weird <laughs> i wonder what that's uh, about. then we get farquad again <laughs> mm-hmm. being both gay and homophobic uh, earlier in the swamp we saw papa bear and baby bear crying about something and then we see mama bear as a bearskin rug in farquad's room like, genuinely, if you... Yeah! yeah. <gasps> I forgot about that. If you think about anything in this movie for more than two no. seconds, it's incredibly grim. Oh, wow. I'm gonna think about that all day, thanks. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's what this podcast is about. 
And now we get the bird. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, 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 okay. I feel like we have to talk more about Farquaad's room and not just the fact that he has the mama bear rug. Uh, Okay. This man has, first of all, behind his bed is a painting of himself as, Mm -hmm. like, uh, what's that (laughs) painting called? Venus. It's the Napoleon one, right? The what? Napoleon on on a horse. No. The one behind his oh. bed is the one where it's, like, the Venus on the, like, shell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Birth of Venus. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it's called. Thank you. Genuinely, <laughs> why would anyone want that <laughs> Listen, He's got to In prove his, himself his... as the masculine ideal. Right. He's, the, the representations make up for the fact that he doesn't live up to the expectations he sets for others. He is perfection. That picture says, help me. so did the zebra sheets, but, you know, like, yeah, he's trying to do the hyper-masculine thing. He's trying to set himself up as, like, the ideal of perfection, and he's, like, overdoing it. Uh, You almost feel bad for the guy, but then you look at the Mm -hmm. bearskin rug and you don't. He somehow created a wedding dress for Fiona, despite not having her measurements, because he assumes that she meets the princessly ideal. Maybe the magic mirror Maybe. has her, her measurements. Mm-hmm. And I then we get that. the bird, which we already talked about a little bit. Uh, Fiona trying to do the princess thing of singing with a bird. And mm-hmm. accidentally... Committing murder. And <laughs> Yeah, I and then making Trying to make up for it by making breakfast for her friends. So, more... <laughs> murder. I don't know. Does that make up for it? Or just, like, rub salt in the wound? She failed at this one feminine princessly thing, and now she's trying to do a different feminine thing. Yeah. By killing the bird's children. No, she killed the bird's children. That was what happened. No remorse. No, she was, like, stone cold. There was no remorse after the way she (laughs) those eggs. She's been in that tower since she was a child. She doesn't have any concept of morality. You're really defending Listen, her. Listen, the birds were gonna birds. die anyway. What do you mean? It was either her or a snake. Listen, all I know is if mm-hmm. I killed a bird and I saw eggs, that would make me upset. The first thing I thought would not be ooh. Let's she doesn't even eat them. She hands all three to Donkey and Shrek and then skips breakfast like a woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. That always Sunshine. bothered me. Like, what's she eating? Women don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Silly me. <laughs> Obviously. They don't have internal organs. Fiona and Shrek bond over burping. And then we get, uh, we, again, we already talked about this a little bit, but we get the extended Mel Brooks reference of Robin Hood and the Merry Men trying to rescue Fiona and getting beat to hell. There's also the, the extremely good, like, river dance reference, mm-hmm. which I find delightful personally. Mm-hmm. And there's also in the, uh, again, we need to talk about masculinity in this film, because mm-hmm. if we're referencing Robin Hood, I feel like we have to talk about Robin Hood men in tights, and then why is it called... Like, why is that film called Men in Tights? And they roam around the forest looking for fights. They're men, men in tights. Yeah. Tight tights. Yeah. 
They're clearly very into musical theater. <laughs> Rabbit and the Merry Men here not fitting into the hegemonic box put forth by Lord Farquaad, maybe fitting into a different box, certainly positioning themselves as fitting into that box and opposed to Shrek, who is an ogre, who is like more outwardly other than they are as like human men. But they're also, it's interesting because they're kind of in an in-between place of being opposed to structures of power, but that also opposed to, like, they see Shrek as oppressing Fiona, who then mm-hmm. personally kicks their asses. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, agents of the normative. Yes. Because they assume, that, and like, they're just standing next to each other. Right. There's no reason, this isn't even the sequence where Shrek is carrying Fiona. Um, like, maybe then they would have had a case but they're just standing there. They're just walking. They could be friends. But because of the normative, because of, like, uh, the hegemony and the ways in which it infects literally everyone's brain, even the revolutionaries, like, these guys have not done the work to unlearn their implicit bias, both against ogres and as seeing women as objects. Mm-hmm. They assume that Fiona is in need of rescue and try to impose that upon her and are shocked and awed that she knows Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. That Just really great Matrix thing. reference with the bullet time shot yeah. of her kicking two of them at the same time. All of this leads to Shrek yeah. realizing that he's into women who could kick his ass. Who among us? I'm... <laughs> 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 Shrek is never Shrek, been more in fact, relatable. so busy admiring Fiona and trying to compliment her that he hasn't realized that he's been shot with an arrow. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! The butt. Is that like a Cupid reference? Oh, <gasps> Kelly, oh, you're so smart. Anyway, it's got layers. That's really That's so great. Good. Oh man, yeah. And then the sequence is like Shrek being uncomfortable with people wanting to take care of him. Mm. Also relatable. <laughs> I'm okay now. I'll just I'll just live. With Donkey this starts forever. to panic, and Fiona does the equivalent of like telling a man whose wife is about to give birth to go boil water. He's like, "Go complete this task yeah. while I take care of business," because obviously you panicking is not going to contribute. Good thing Fiona knows all these typical feminine tasks, like mm-hmm. you know, healing. She's she's studied this this stuff man she's done nothing in that tower but try to put herself in the box and that means learning first aid then we get one of my favorite uh shrek and donkey moments uh which is like donkey faints at the sight of blood and then shrek just picks him up and starts walking again it would have been really easy to just leave him there and an earlier incarnation of this character would have done that but instead he's bonded and made friends with donkey by this point and so without even questioning it just scoops him up and is like okay let's go Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cute. I'm sad this whole movie wasn't really just yeah. Where's Shrek our and Donkey, where's our bro honestly. comedy with Shrek and Donkey? Yeah. And then like mm-hmm. the sequel could have been with Fiona. <laughs> I should have. I mean, it. you're saying it now. When we were what like five years old, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. five year old me would have written a great <laughs> film. Probably. Welcome to our new podcast where we pitch spec scripts on movies that already exist. Uh, then we get the falling in love montage <laughs> as Fiona like shows her true self as being, you know, just as kind of gross and unwieldy as Shrek is. 
Except mm-hmm. not her total uh, That self. comes when they arrive in Duloc just before sunset. Um, Fiona and Shrek, visibly sad at having to end this journey. They also... They have dinner uh, outside of... There's this windmill outside of the sunflower field that will become important. Uh, and Shrek has roasted mm-hmm. some weed rats for them. Shrek makes a mean weed rat stew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's talking positively about himself for the first time. That's true. They definitely do almost kiss. Mm-hmm. And then Donkey appears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Donkey just likes to be involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just loves to be yeah. included. They also talk about, like, maybe Fiona can visit him in the, sh- in the swamp and he can make stew for her, which is really cute. This leads to Donkey drawing Fiona's attention to the sunset. She remembers that she's not supposed to be her full self retreats into the windmill. Uh, Shrek and Fiona say goodnight, and Donkey's like, eyes emoji. Yeah. Shrek has a line here, and it's like, she's a princess and I'm an ogre. It's like, we are incompatible just because of the station of life that we have been put in. And Fiona has a very similar line shortly after also talking to Donkey, uh, where she's like, mm-hmm. But I'm a princess. Like, this is not how a princess is supposed to look. Mm-hmm. She's like, princess and ugly don't go together. Yeah. But we get, yeah, Donkey, like, goes to check on Fiona, finds her in her ogre form, despite her trying to hide from him. Immediately assumes that Fiona has been eaten by this ogress, which, like, Donkey, <laughs> unlearn your implicit bias. That's true. He goes through this whole movie becoming, like, best friends with Shrek and realizing that ogres aren't like that Mm -hmm. and then immediately jumps back. Listen, the hegemony has a very strong grip on everyone. Also, is it... Ooh, here's a thought. Is Donkey able to better resist that line of thinking the further away from the center of hegemonic structures he is? Hmm... But now they're right that right outside of Duloc. He's like in Duloc. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking it was like he just thought Shrek was. Oh, the I exception. have a friend who's an ogre. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's not like right. we see a whole bunch of other. Or that he can't ever. at first conceptualize that Fiona is an ogre because she's a woman, and so has to start the process over. Mm-hmm. Those are all good tips. We're so smart. We should do a podcast. <laughs> My god, you're uh, so right. Fiona explains the whole curse thing. You've seen this movie. Um, uh, meanwhile, Shrek is practicing a speech. This gets a whole song in the musical adaptation, and it is easily the best song in the movie. <laughs> Him mm-hmm. preparing his speech as a song? Uh, Aw. That feels very, like, middle school. Yeah, yeah. This is literally the first time this is happening to Shrek. He's been in that swamp by himself for his whole life. Um, he ends up overhearing Fiona talking badly about herself, the ways in which self-deprecation affects the people that you love. Also, I mean, you, you said this up top, but this movie is kind of fatphobic. And by kind of, I mean it, yes. it is. Uh, so... Is it fatphobic or is it like dealing with fatphobia in a way? Like, is Fiona unlearning her like anti ogreness also unlearning her internalized fatphobia? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's how I read it. 
I think so. Because <laughs> there's like a difference between a text being fat phobic and a text depicting fat phobia. Right, you know? right, right, right. And like it could be both. It can be both. This movie is both in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Again, it was 2001. I sort of say, are yeah. Again, I think it's a place where it's like, were they doing that on purpose, or is that a reading that we can take away from it? Mm-hmm. Do I trust a bunch yeah. of white men in 2001 to do that on purpose? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> should never. Do but that. yeah, we get the we get the classic rom com like misunderstanding, but in a more like genuine way, you know, like this is a problem that could be solved with a conversation, but that conversation would be really difficult to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of those things where in a worse movie, this conflict would be meaningless. And instead it's like the culmination of Shrek's own self-loathing that he's just now starting to let go, go of and Fiona's self-loathing, like affecting both of them at the same time. Uh, well so Fiona decides that she's going to tell Shrek. Well, she finds the sunflower that Shrek left, um, and she like takes it as kind of a favor, um, like in the same way that like her handkerchief was a favor earlier. Starts doing the um, "he loves me, he loves me not" thing with "I tell him, I tell him not," and eventually decides that she will tell Shrek everything in the morning. But Shrek is still gone by the time she like leaves the windmill, and it turns out that he overnight went to get Lord Farquaad and his men uh, because he's feeling extremely rejected. Kind of being a little baby about it. Like, maybe Listen, you should have a conversation. He's literally never done this before. And also, he's so used <laughs> okay, to societal just rejection. Saying. And he, like, got his hopes up mm-hmm. that that wasn't happening for once and then believes that it is. And, like, nothing mm-hmm. has changed. They have this continuation of the rom-com miscommunication thing where they are having this conversation about what Shrek heard the previous night, but they are talking about two different things. Fiona thinks that she that he knows that she is an ogre, but he doesn't, and Shrek thinks that she was talking about him when she said princess and ugly don't go together, and she wasn't. Right. Yeah, I, I think it works so here. Much. I think it's, like, deeper than it usually is. No, yeah, but that doesn't make it any yeah. less frustrating yeah. to watch um, we just want to yell yeah. at them Farquaad's here he's being an asshole yeah <laughs> himself <laughs> he says it's not like Shrek has feelings he says it's not like it has feelings about Shrek and uh Fiona is like glaring and it's like oh. you're right it doesn't because again she thinks that she has been rejected for her ogreness and Shrek thinks that he has been rejected for his ogreness Mm-hmm. Also, we have that. another instance here of Farquaad trying to project this image yeah. of, like, ideal masculinity. He's on his cool horse, and he's got his suit of armor and everything, And but the suit of armor is, like, hollow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has to be picked up off of his horse because he's got these fake legs that make him look taller. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the face. It's such, and it's not, it's not even remarked upon. It's just like a two second visual gag and then we move on. And it's so good. Donkey and Shrek have a fight and Shrek is on the verge of tears the whole time. No, he never does that. Like he, like Fiona asked him not to and he simply does not. Wait, he does so. 
Shrek always yeah, thinks until, Fiona until, was talking about him. Well, Donkey's like, no, you don't understand. There are things about this situation that you don't understand. I cannot tell you what the things are because I don't want to break Fiona's trust. But you have to go after her because there are things, pieces that you're missing. And Shrek, because he's feeling so rejected and so low right now, is like, no, I understand everything, actually. And everyone, including you, can get lost, actually. That's true. He does, like, self-isolate. Mm-hmm. But I thought they did have a conversation later. They do. But I don't think Shrek, their donkey never says Fiona is an ogre. Right. He says she wants to marry you. Right. But he right. doesn't say like what how he knows that yeah that just seems weird then that he like never gets clarification for how he misinterpreted the conversation mm-hmm. he overheard i mean he could put two and two together at the end of the movie i guess yeah it, that feels weird still i think it's one of those things where you sort of sacrifice like something for the audience to not be receiving information twice okay. like you can imagine that at some point it was explained uh, then we get the Hallelujah montage. The music choices in this film. So good. <laughs> and again, we're getting that, like, idea of, like, a utopia. And during this montage, mm-hmm. we're getting, like, the failure of both utopias, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we get the scenes of, like, the wedding dress and, like, the cake and, like, this is what you always wanted, right? Is to marry, like, a prince. And... Mm-hmm. Yet you're unhappy. And then we also have Shrek, who all he wanted was to, like, be alone in his swamp and is also unhappy. Having seen mm-hmm. a a more utopic vision, I guess. And then we have the song over top. It's perfect. The reveal of... No, actually, Shrek's projected ideal was also the result of hegemony. Was also like, yeah, ogres are supposed to be alone. So I want to be alone because society has rejected me. He doesn't want that anymore because he's gotten this glimpse of having friends. And we get all of these details, especially in Fiona's half of the montage of like, her ladies maids help her get ready, but they don't spend time with her afterwards. They like aren't interested in her as a person. And she like refuses to engage in Farquaad's editing of his appearance. Like he's got this cake topper that presents them both as being the same height. And she like smushes his down into the cake, which is both like a funny beat in this very sad montage. And also like Fiona beginning to reject hegemony. She's done with in- inauthenticity. I think the cake topper mm-hmm. is one of my favorite moments, actually. It's good shit. And then we get Dragon and Donkey meeting up again. And once the montage ends, we get Donkey trying to divide the swamp into by, like, building a little wall. And Shrek falls back into this, like, teasing repartee that he had developed, like, during the volcano bridge scene. And... Uh, like trying to like slot back into yes this is my friend and this is how we interact but donkey pushes back on that because he's like no i'm ready to assert myself because you don't treat me that well because you've never had a friend before and you need to learn how to have friends and also stop being afraid of your own feelings is like what he says donkey best character shit that's true um and this is the scene where donkey like sets shrek straight about fiona talking about a hideous creature shrek is like i heard what she said about me and donkey's like no she was talking about someone else mm-hmm. like again he oh, won't okay. break fiona's trust because she did ask him not to tell 
but he also is not going to sit idly by and let the two of them be apart and let Fiona be in this bad, bad relationship. Because he's a good friend. Yeah. Does the dragon keep the collar on for the rest of the movie? Or I think she, she keeps it on. It because, like, she flies down in this scene and they use the chain to get up to yeah. her. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. I think she doesn't that have sucks. it in the sequel. But she does keep it for the rest of this movie, I believe. Unless she doesn't have it in the final song. Hang on. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I can scrub through the video. Okay. The onion carriage happens. She's there. She does not have it on in the final scene. Does she have it okay. in the, That's like, good. you know when she, like, punches out the window? Mm-hmm. I got it there believe that she does so we have to assume that sometime between uh rescuing fiona from farquad and uh shrek and fiona's actual wedding that she got it removed somehow yeah cool still wearing the lipstick well yeah it's just her skin tone we, we, you know <laughs> obviously it's just that thing that she was born with where are we <laughs> shrek and donkey the dragon uh Yes. They they are flying with the dragon. With dragon, I guess. I will call yeah. her dragon. Uh, to the castle. The wedding is underway as they arrive at the castle. Um, dragon scares some guards off and then, like, goes to fight them, but then turns back to Donkey like, do you guys need my help or can I engage in my only hobby? <laughs> Which is eating people. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and Donkey's like, you go terrorize the town. We'll whistle if we if we need you. And she like very happily goes to eat these guards, which is very good. I want a movie all about Dragon and her interior mm-hmm. life. Yeah, because like I said earlier, she's got stuff going on. I don't know why we don't yeah. get to know about it. She does complex mm-hmm. tasks. She she knows what she has wants and needs and goals. Which, uh, by the way, uh, the hero like swooping in. Uh, on the back of a creature uh, typically seen as evil other or as a like mm-hmm. captivating as force, an obstacle uh, mm-hmm. is is good good shit <laughs> that slaps um, so Shrek is like we gotta stop this wedding and Donkey's like no if you're gonna do this you have to do it properly you have to respect Fiona and the situation that she is in. And we're going to do this with all of the passion that we have in our hearts. Which means that you have to wait till the guy says, speak now or forever, or forever hold your peace. And then you say, I object. Which, which is like Donkey trying to appeal to the hegemonic structure. But in like brackets positive. <laughs> Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Shrek doesn't really have any proof other than what Donkey told him that Fiona doesn't want to mm-hmm. go through with the wedding. And so giving her like that, if objecting gives her the chance to assert herself is what you're saying. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't try to like mm-hmm. mess up the whole wedding and interjects mm-hmm. at the acceptable time is mm-hmm. considering that. Uh, so because Fiona is scared that the sun will set before the wedding completes and she's able to break the curse, uh, she's sped things up so that they haven't said for speak now or forever hold your peace and uh, <laughs> they do the, the scene of Shrek like tossing Donkey up in the air so that he can get like a sit rep on the situation is so good. Yeah, bros. 
is a non-normative, like, solution to this problem. Yeah, you could just, like, crack the door a little bit, but... Mm -hmm. But that would interrupt the ceremony. That would interrupt Fiona's big day. (laughs) And people seeing a donkey fly through the air isn't gonna, like, interrupt things? They're facing away from the window. I feel like, how would they know that? (laughs) Well, they're at the front of the church, and typically, you face the dais during the wedding. They don't know that, like, there's not a single person in that entire building. Listen, they're all looking looking at the the cue card. That's true. Also, can we talk about how, like, Farquaad has no friends and his best man is, like, an executioner? (laughs) Yeah. This is what happens. (laughs) This is what happens when you impose the ideal on everyone that you meet. They don't want to spend time with you. Although, to be fair, it was the executioner who told him to pick door number three. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. He has he has a uh, a verse in the ending song. Well, he doesn't have a verse. Wow, He's got that. a single word that he says. He is there though, which mm-hmm. is fun. I'll take it. Uh, Donkey says, "Mother Fletcher, they already said it." It's very good. <laughs> Shrek like bursts through the doors and says, "I object anyway." He's like, "Okay, fine. I will play the game. I will give Fiona this ch- the chance that she needs to object to my objection if she needs to." Farquaad has a line here that's like, it's rude enough being alive when no one wants you, but now you're also ruining this wedding. <laughs> Which, like, oof. Ow. Uh, in order to solve this problem, Shrek must do the one thing that he's been resisting this entire movie. Talk about his feelings. <laughs> Be emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. In front of people. Yeah, that sucks. What a nightmare. Okay, but that's positive masculinity. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he admits Absolutely. his feelings, the town laughs at him. Fiona only asks if it's true. I mean, Farquaad also spends a lot of time making fun of him for that. Also, the fact that they just had a laugh yeah. card, like, ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, why did they have Maybe that? Farquaad was going to be witty during his, like, speech. You know, just for any eventuality. Uh, yeah. Also, may I read another quote? Because I feel like it's pertinent to this situation. Yeah, go for it. So Farquaad making fun of, of Shrek or the other. Uh, Farquaad as a representative of the hegemonic structure and in that way, like, heterosexuality, uh, making fun of Shrek. Again, I'm quoting from The Queer Art of Failure. Uh, but, quote, Capitalist logic casts the homosexual as inauthentic and unreal, as incapable of proper love and unable to make the appropriate connections with it between sociality, relationality, family, sex, desire, and consumption. Um, so we're, like, mm-hmm. literally seeing, like, that's exactly what's happening in this scene, is Farquaad is, as representative of hegemonic structure and capitalism, is is casting Shrek as unable to even, like, have friends or feelings or, like, a desire mm-hmm. for love of any kind. That's a good um, quote. Yeah. Doesn't conceptualize him as a person. It's on page 95 if you're following along at home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The sun sets. Fiona is an ogre. Farquaad gets some taste challenge. He what? Farquaad gets some taste challenge. He's like, oh my god, it's hideous. Fiona's very pretty. Oh. Yeah, honestly. Guard sees them. Try to, like, rip Fiona and Shrek apart. Shrek is like... Shrek moves his arm and three of these guys fly off of him. He's, like, absolutely bodying this, like, ocean of armed knights. And it's very sexy. Farquaad, like, threatens Fiona. 
threatens to put her back in the tower. Uh, that's when Dragon, or that's when that's when Donkey signals Dragon. She iconically bursts through the window of the church, uh, simply eats this man alive. But Bef- before she does, uh, mm-hmm. he is literally shouting, like, "I will have order! I will have perfection!" Yes. Again, we're just gonna like literally look into the camera and say what this movie is about. <laughs> also, he puts the crown on his head. And he's like, I'm king, see, see. Like, this is a status that does not even exist for himself. This is a status that exists for everyone mm-hmm. watching. This movie is really good. Oh, no, it's like really good. <laughs> what, what do you mean, actually? <laughs> There's a reason that it has existed in, like, the social consciousness for <laughs> 21 years. Like, this is an enduringly good film. <laughs> the sequels don't even, like, get worse. I think that they're pretty comparable in quality. Shrek 2 is very good. Uh, hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, Shrek 2 is good, but you said sequels, plural. Yeah, I don't know about Maybe those. you're including the other I haven't ones. seen the last, to be fair, I haven't seen the last yeah. two since they came out, but I remember enjoying. Enjoying something and it being like. As good as the first one. Yeah. Or two oh, but that, that is what the podcast is about. <laughs> We're just going to go through the whole Shrek franchise now. <laughs> I regret saying that. I already I'm, regret saying it. I don't want to do that. That'll be a Patreon reward. <laughs> there you go. Give me $25 and I will watch all of the Shrek films. <laughs> Aren't they making another one? Are they? Why would they They're do not. That? No. Oh, they're not. Are they making another Puss in Boots movie? Yes. Because we that also, was... if, if, if. Patreon gives us $25, <laughs> then we have to also get to uh, the Puss in Boots movies. That movie... Uh... Anyway, that's off track. <laughs> I've Where never seen we... it. We have to oh. watch <laughs> It's not good. No, we don't. This is a bad movie podcast, Autumn. But like, it's a bad movie podcast. But there is a difference between movies that are bad and it's funny, and movies that are bad and it hurts you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyway, where are we? (laughs) We are. uh, Shrek and Fiona get to say, I love you. And Shrek denies us the voyeurism of their first kiss, which is, again, I think, upending the Disney formula, right? This is true. I never thought about that. Yeah. I I mean, I do have to think a little bit about the fact that it still follows the formula of, oh, you're marrying a man you've known for, like, literally 48 hours but you know we can only have so much in an hour and a half i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, fiona does her whole magical girl transformation sequence including breaking all of the far quad windows in this church uh and but she's still an ogre and she's like iconically we all know this moment i'm supposed to be beautiful you are beautiful yeah i i do have to say to be that asshole i really Mm -hmm. hate when the woman's like I don't think I'm pretty and the guy is like I think you are and then she just immediately changes her mind and is like you're right absolutely and then that's (laughs) That's just how it it works for me is that not how it works for you it's not like a little switch that flips in your brain absolutely not absolutely not and then we get now I'm a believer amazing beautiful spectacular and no indication of how much time has passed no actually not really which is concerning a little bit maybe Probably the next day <laughs> maybe it's been months we don't know 
It happens. <laughs> this sequence is really fun. All of the magical creatures are back in the swamp as guests this time for this party. Dragon catches the bouquet. Also, I don't know if y'all noticed, but for some reason I did. But, like, mm-hmm. it's not the big bad wolf because that's the wolf that blows down the pig's house. But it's it's the wolf that eats Red Riding Hood's grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. So we need to talk about this wolf as a character, too. I was literally mm-hmm. just thinking about the wolf, and I'm so glad you brought uh, the wolf. <laughs> oh, good. Because we have this no wolf. No queer reading of this movie would be complete without talking about the cross-dressing wolf. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. He... he is wearing the nightdress and the cap, apparently always, um, and shows up to this wedding on the arm of a knight. Did, did mm-hmm. anybody else notice that? Oh, I did not. <laughs> That's so Oh, they're like in the audience and they're like arms linked, clearly a couple at this wedding. And I was like, this is fascinating. Oh. <laughs> Where's their sequel? Right? Truly, I want a movie now about this wolf. <laughs> and also, like, oh, a knight, a symbol of hegemonic structure. Like, A is at this wedding. It also mm-hmm. is clearly, like, with, in some capacity, like, the object of hegemonic oppression. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Truly, the wolf is the most fascinating. <laughs> I would agree. My last note is just, like, this version of this song is top A. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. The Executioner, also at the wedding. Uh, Interesting choice. He is in charge of pumping the bellows for the organ. That's what he's doing in the background. So enough time has passed that they are able to make friends with the Executioner, such as that he will come to their wedding. So I mean, the Executioner always seemed really chill to me, so I don't feel like... They needed that much time. Okay, but how much time did it take for the wolf to start dating a knight? Exactly. Um, the wolf exactly. very clearly, very clearly gets around very easily <laughs> and confidently. And honestly, I would not be surprised if those two met the day before. <laughs> um, are we into final thoughts? Final thoughts. Movie is good. Movie good. Oh, movie is good. Yeah. Movie good. If you give me $25, I will watch the sequel. The sequel, I'd watch for free. I love that movie. <laughs> but the sequels after the sequel, bad. They don't have to know that. I'm just saying it. You can cut that out. How are we going to monetize our hobbies if we don't <laughs> promise the people things? Uh, you can find the show at buttisit underscore gay on Twitter. Thanks to Enoch Music on Instagram for use of our theme song. Autumn, are you on the internet? <laughs> I'm on Twitter at autumnal underscore season. Kenley, are you on the internet? Uh, marginally these days. Uh, <laughs> I do have That's a Twitter. So uh, I'm at Elegood underscore K. You will see oh, yeah. not a lot going on there. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Go read Kenley's poem about a snake. Oh. Yeah, I do have a couple poems places uh, somewhere deep in the Twitter archives at this point, but (laughs) they are there. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week, and stay gay.